0: uh membership it's 10 bucks a month you get a monthly mastermind exclusively it's a zoom call every month with other youtube members uh, you also get weekly videos exclusive to the youtube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences so check that out really means a lot to me and thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show guru nation welcome back to another episode this one's a very special i've been waiting a long time for this one guys (laughs) all right because you guys been writing this book so we have monica paula quitiva and paula botero no relation right (laughs) um they wrote a book and we're the link is underneath the description it's a book on It's literally the title, All You Need to Know About Screening Patients in Clinical Research. Right? Like, this is just, I could tell, and we'll get into your thought process. This is one of many books to come. But the link is underneath the video. And if you're listening on the podcast, thank you. Click, use your finger, and then you buy it. Use your face ID or your finger, however you prefer. Just get it. You guys will not be disappointed. I think, like, for myself, well, first of all, I would like the paperback as of this video, the Kindle, but maybe by the time you're watching or listening, is paperback in there as well. I would get both, right, Kindle and paperback, to have a copy at the office. Because this is like, if you're a site owner, or if you're a new coordinator, you need to have this. Even if you're a sponsor CRO, a lot of these sponsors, they have no idea what it takes to screen a patient they think it's just you know and then we have paula so she works for a sponsor we're not going to disclose who we can get into this too but anyways link underneath thank you guys both of you for coming on how are you guys doing monica and paula how are you guys doing and paula why have we not seen you on latinos in clinical research unacceptable (laughs)
1: <laughs> you, know, uh, you, know, you will once we release the spanish version of this
0: uh book oh my god it's another year we got to wait 2023 <laughs>
1: <laughs> we didn't know that, uh, um, write a book is like quite of complicated because you need to review and review and review again because you want to really make sure that all the information is accurate and the people we use it in the best way and more if it's a screening process
0: yeah so that's
1: why it takes like some time
0: how long did it take you guys to write this thing
2: like i think like a year and a
0: half a year and a (laughs) half wow (laughs) but like people don't understand people don't understand the process like how explain what was your process because me and chris had our own process it's not elegant at all but what's your process
2: yeah, well, first of all, Dan, thank you for bringing us here to de- to talk about our book.
0: Thank you, guys. <laughs> Everyone go buy it.
2: Yeah. So uh, when we started, we we, we decided at some point that we wanted to write a book or to do something uh, to share information because back then, Paola uh, finished the CRC Academy and, uh, and she was doing the internship at the clinic. Um, so when we, we, uh, she was doing with us uh, some uh, some screening uh, visits, she did with us regulatory. I remember. Uh, I remember. Yeah, she. I mean, she did it all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in fact, she helped us to improve some processes. That's actually her what, biggest strength.
0: <laughs> what were you doing before research, Paula? I forgot. But I remember you working with us at Global over there, interning, volunteering. What What were you doing before research?
1: So I was working in Colombia because I moved to US five years ago. So okay. I was working in Colombia. Um, but as um, in a marketing research was no clinical research. So I was managing all the operations for one of the biggest marketing research that we make in Colombia for um, to collect data. But for Heineken, Coca-Cola, all those big companies. To oh, I love
0: Heineken. Yes. Uh, I remember now. I remember. That's <laughs> yeah,
1: good. so we were collecting all the data from the marketplaces, all those um, business to sell that data to coca-cola heineken all those big companies to make the marketing strategies so but once i moved to us i started my career like a crc in the crc academy and then starting to work more insights uh and yes there is where we start like thinking with monica let's create like a book that is more specific in each area that you're going to be working in the clinical research because through the yeah. process, it's a long process and a lot of stuff you need to know so i remember when like, you
0: guys were thinking like when did you get the idea to write this book like when did the idea form i think it was because
2: when paola was working there and then she found a job doing uh Uh, She was, she found that you're being a clinical research coordinator and she was doing the process herself. Then we start talking, let's do a book to give people help. I mean, like the structure idea on how to do these critical processes, because you can miss a lot of information. Um, Wait, Paula, you worked,
0: did you work at the, before the sponsor, you worked as a coordinator at the site that I know? Yes okay how was that
1: um it's different uh but it's a lot of stuff you can learn and a lot of things that you can improve so because as monica mentioned i like to improve like processes and see how you can make things better so i found that interesting and it's nice to learn how to because that was one of my first steps in clinical research also so it was good to me to just start like applying all the knowledge that I got in the clinical yeah. in the CRC academy and uh, so was was really nice and I think from there I started all the idea to create more like guidebooks that will help us to just improve each process and to know more in deep what what we can do and maybe what we are missing to, through, you know, screening the visits and everything. Because sometimes when you are like, oh, you know that you can do this and can improve this part of the process. And you're like, oh, maybe I didn't know that. And that is good information that I can start applying in my site. So we were like, okay, that information, we can put everything in a book or in a guide for the sites to just learn how to improve the process so that's why
2: so initially Brilliant. initially it was also because it's gonna it was gonna help us but then if we were going to do it like that we say yes let's do it in a book <laughs> and share it with everybody else
0: that's the best thing when you're doing something for yourself and then you realize well there's probably others that have would like this same thing let's just make it a book like that's what we did with the comprehensive guide to research, you know, we initially wanted to make it like a manual for future employees. Like this is how you get trained. And then we're like, why don't we just make it like a full book about, you know, I did a lot of mini books. Why don't we just make it a full book? Everybody's looking for this. So why did you choose the, cause the book's called all you need to know about screening patients and clinical research, how to make an effective screening process. Why did you choose this topic first? That's kind of the complicated topic
2: i yeah that's why because it's complicated <laughs> because i think I think because most of the clinical research coordinators or the sites uh have probably a little bit of difficulty or or challenge uh with the screening process right uh even if it's even if you have experience some oftentimes you can miss really small details. And, and, and and when you have a new staff members, if you have a guide, it's easier to, to make sure that they are doing the things correctly, rather than being observing them and observing them. And, and, and if you, uh, obviously, you know, this with every single study, every single time that you have a new study, the first patient is the most challenging because you're, oh, you're yeah. you don't want to miss anything, right? So that's why we wrote all the basic and all the important things that you need to go through with every single patient in every single study.
0: You know, what? I screened a patient yesterday and we couldn't do it. We couldn't do the actual screening because we were missing some like tubes. There was like a tube that they never sent us. And I thought, was talking to my NP, the my business partner, Jaime, who you guys, I need to introduce you guys. He's awesome. Um, he's a nurse practitioner. And I was like, yeah, we basically did, did a practice because, but I'm glad we did because we would have made mistakes if it was a real screening. First of all, I had the wrong kit because there are two protocols of the same sponsor. So I grabbed the wrong kit for screening and yeah. I didn't realize till later. So like the process it's good to practice, especially if you have like a first screening for a new study to practice with somebody like a dress rehearsal before you actually do the real one, because we were able to find all the forms. We couldn't find anything. And so we were not prepared, but we would have still done it, but it would have been like a few mistakes. So mm-hmm. now we're, we're ready for the real thing tomorrow. We got it tomorrow. So we'll be good tomorrow. But it's that's an example like of what you just said.
2: Yeah. Yeah, show in this up. Uh, sorry, go ahead Paula. No, no, go ahead, Bonnie. <laughs> I was going to explain that we start this the, the book with the pre-screening <clears throat> because the pre-screening is also very important. Uh, sometimes we get patients referred by an uh, by the principal investigator or by let's say by the central campaign or by somebody, right? Or the or our own advertisement. And, uh, but but in reality, those 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 uh, re, uh, those uh, referrals are not yet ready to be screened, right? So we start by explaining why it's so important to do the pre-screening, even if it comes from a, a, a warm uh, referral from the sponsor, because oftentimes uh, these pre-screenings miss specific or very important information that could be a deal breaker when you're uh, screening a patient. Yeah. So we'll start with that process and then from there, we go over every single detail, including the laboratories.
0: (laughs) There's a lot of uh, like things like that, examples of real-world screenings like let's talk about screening because that's what the book's about, um, and there's nuances too. Like one of the things in Latinos in clinical research, we can discuss is the cultural differences. So we had a we have a patient at my new clinic that I'm talking about who he's Mexican a Mexican guy is older, and he knows he's a warm elite. he's a warm referral because he's from the doctor office that we're in. All right. But he he's more comfortable dealing with uh, females because in the Mexican culture, I don't know how it is in Colombia, but like the guys, especially the older guys, they don't trust like a male coordinator, (laughs) for example, (laughs) but they trust female coordinator, you know. And so we ran into this with the N.P. He's a male, but the guy's more comfortable with the with the women coordinators. so he's he went back to go home to read the consent and hopefully he comes back. but like stuff like that, right? What were you gonna say, Paula?
1: I, I think that in general they the the patients I found out in my experience, they feel more comfortable sometimes with women. I don't yeah, know if it's like the the figure of the women that you can trust. The women is taking care of that person. Yeah. And it's like that warm receive that the men or any person will have in in any screening business. Yeah.
0: That's what my <laughs> wife that's what my wife said. And she's the one who pre screened him on the phone and he was all yeah. interested. And then she wasn't there when he came. It was me and I And, and then so now she says she's going to call him again and she'll be there the next time he comes. It's, it's, so that's I hope that's going to help. But there's always like little things like this that nobody talks about.
1: I think that is one of the nice things about this book, because we try to bring some actual examples and some practical information, because you know that some is the theory that you know that okay, this is the first, second, and third step that you need to do, but in real life, what you're going to encounter. So whatever is the question or specific question you need to ask, or maybe some examples about things that may happen in real life insights. So we try to apply that knowledge and that uh, like uh, life examples and uh, you will find those in, in the book. So that is very interesting. That's-
2: that's actually uh, true. We, we, we put some examples that says the most common mistakes that people do when they are doing a screening and, and how to correct them, obviously, right? Uh, but for example, now that you were mentioning the screening, sometimes let's say the screening involves, let's say uh, a laboratory, right? And then you say, well, the laboratory, it, it will, you it will get the results in maybe a week. And then you probably leave it by the end uh, yeah. of the screening. And then surprise, uh, the weather uh changed and there is a storm and then the laboratories got lost. <laughs> or the laboratories got uh I mean frozen and they couldn't uh be the results couldn't be uh get right. So then then you're not you're then you're gonna be in in, in trouble because. You're not get you're not gonna get the results on time because you left it for the end and and then additional to that uh, the window period is gonna be ending and and that that way then the, the patient probably is gonna be a screen failure if the sponsor don't allow you to to have an extension or uh, oftentimes they don't even allow you to rescreen this patient so you lose an elite.
0: Or even a patient, maybe a sponsor says, it's OK, or it's not out of window, but the patient doesn't want to come again for another blood draw, mm-hmm. which is common also. I mean, so, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things people don't talk about, like all these organizations, you know, the I'm not going to name them, but the big organizations in our industry, they just say the same things over and over informed consent is for patient centricity and all that stuff but when you're actually doing a screening and you're a coordinator you care about this kind of stuff that you're talking about right you don't care about the theory you already know this you care about like a big one for me is the air bill if you don't have the air bill for fedex or whatever it is that you're shipping the lab to what are you gonna do i mean you Let's say you did everything and you can't find the air bill. You know, that's a big problem. So little things like that that people don't think about.
2: Yeah, that's actually, that actually happened to me too.
0: I know. Yeah. And, and
2: yeah. So now what I, what we receive those air bills is that we just scan them and save it in, uh, in the <laughs> files. So that way, in the case, it gets lost or something, we already have uh, all the information needed.
0: I have a study where they have for the same study, three different air bills, based on what oh, wow. lab it is. So you could make oh. the mistake, ship it to the wrong, use the wrong air bill.
1: Oh wow! The organization is the key <laughs> in clinical research. So <laughs> yeah, you gotta keep everything organized. Also, we bring some like little notes about how to manage that part. A checklist.
0: -hmm. Yeah, trickles will help. I think I just need to hire somebody fast. But, um, so this book—when did you release it? Did anyone read it?
2: Oh, I mean, we sent it for edition,
0: (laughs) and we read it. But did you uh, give this to like your student, CRC Academy, or I know you teach this all the time, anyways, in CRC Academy? But did somebody read this yet? I know it's new. I didn't read it. Rolled it. Okay. What did he say? Because he has a yeah. site, right? He has a site. Yeah,
2: yeah. And 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 at the beginning, when when we did it the first time, before we start doing so many corrections, he he is uh he re, he he gave us a feedback, and his feedback was that he liked it because it was in words or in um uh, yeah, it, it was described in everybody's words, so it's not like very technical. Um, so everybody will be able to understand. And if if it's the first time you're doing this process, or if you're new uh, doing research, or you're a new coordinator, or you're a new site owner, you will be on. You will understand the, the words that uh, everything is being explained.
0: I like that it's short enough to where if you if you give it to a staff member, mm-hmm. they're actually gonna read it. They can read it in one day and they can read it in an hour i'm guessing or two hours they
2: can, yeah they can actually use it every time they have a screening or even huh. the first time because it has every single process every single thing so it's gonna be helpful not just the first time that they read it but every time they do a screening yeah because uh we go over every single process in starting like i say, pre-screening then we go uh, why it's important to do this and why the, the, the screening is so important and they need to pay so much attention to detail in this process. Uh, then we go and explain the inclusion and exclusion criteria. Why is this important? Uh, also, why uh, then we start uh, with a form of consent form process and every single thing that you need to do, uh, like uh, concomitant medication, prohibit medications, um schedule of events
0: the, the, the uh, all that
2: stuff. what what is what is a window period why the schedule of events are is important and and, and make sure that you complete all the process during that pre, uh, window period including the results um I mean it's it's every single detail every single step uh um, oh, we
0: like it we this is what we need like I'll, I'm in a. I don't need this because I I know how to screen. But for my employees, I was even telling you when you were writing this. Like, I can't wait to buy it because it's small enough to where I can give it to an employee and say, "Look, read this. This is how prepare on this, right?" And it's it's written by someone else that's not me that you can trust from somebody else if you don't want to hear from me all the time like this is going to be required training for new staff is to read this and any other future uh books you put out that are like bite-sized actionable Paula you work for a sponsor right mm-hmm. we won't name who but you what do sponsors sponsors and patient relationship is very strange because from what I see on LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn a lot and I see people that work at Sponsor or people that work at like tech companies, they they have this idealistic sense of patients love this or patients, we have to care about patients because, you know, I, they say like obvious things, but I feel like they don't understand like the nuances of what it takes to actually screen a patient, keep a patient happy. This is why we're going to do the clinical research patient recruitment Academy, but you work right now at a sponsor and you have the benefit of working at a site, but what is the sponsor attitude in regards to patients? Are they clueless? Do they know what's happening?
1: Um, from my point of view, I got so lucky to work in a sponsor that really cared about the patients. Because when I was ca- working in a site, that was not my perspective, as you said. Mm. So I don't know if it's different for pharmaceutical research or device research. Because in device research, is like quite of different, I think, from my point yeah. of view. So from my experience, when I was in a site I was thinking like, well, maybe these sponsors are just wanted to get patients, 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 and maybe the process was different and was like a more need to go in deep of what see what is the patient's needs and whatever was the case at that moment. But on my case now, I feel like. The structure that when you work in a company or on a sponsor that is so specialized in one single thing that mm-hmm. they need to do and they just focus on doing that very good is because they care a lot about that experience, about that patient, about what is the like final experience of the patients. Actually, they, um, We do that something at the company, if it's anyone, anyone around the world that a friend or someone that you hear from us or from the company that I'm working, you need to report that. You need to let know how is the patient feeling? How was the experience? Is something that you can improve? Is something you can do in whatever way for the patient to feel more comfortable with us? Is some experience that is really like making me change the point of view of a sponsor and how we care about the patients. Um, but I think that uh, that that could depend of of what a sponsor it is. But uh, yes, so. Hmm.
0: I like the answer. I was going to ask you more, but you actually answer with details. So, I can tell that that's probably true with your sponsor, and it makes sense because they're focused on one one, one specific, specific thing, thing. so yes. they know the customer very well
1: very very, very, very well and actually every every single thing that is said in the company goes at the end for the patient and is' about quality, about everything, everything, so you see in every single like area in every single step as you do is related to that final like goal that you have as sponsor is provide Mm -hmm. something of not good quality no it's the best thing that you can provide it's not just a screening and doing what you think that will be good just for Mm -hmm. like a sale or something like that because i know some pharmaceutical companies do things for a lot of different stuff so for example one do this for the liver the other one do this for the kidneys and this is like jumping in a lot of different things so that maybe doesn't have you room to just improve something in a really specific way and care about that patient in that particular way that you know the all your efforts goes in that direction and you will not lose track on other stuff that you are like maybe missing because you are just
2: jumping too big off.
0: too big mm-hmm. i like the maybe the sponsor the best sponsors then are the ones that um focus just on one niche but do at your sponsor do you guys talk about patient centricity or decentralized trials are you guys talking about this kind of stuff or is it just i'm seeing on linkedin is um like a bunch of noise
1: i don't know the answer to that questions (laughs) to that question
0: yeah yeah i don't think these things are actually discussed in like real life i think they're just discussed at conferences and on linkedin that's my theory but i could be wrong
2: Mm, I don't
0: know. <laughs> Makes you wonder. All you need to know about patient, yeah. about screening patients in clinical research, Monica. Um, you made a good one. You made a good book.
2: Oh, thank you.
0: <laughs> so, anything you, you want to wrap up? Um, I haven't. I, I say you made a good one because you told me a lot about it. I don't need. I don't need to read it, but I will get it. But I'm going to get the paper back, too, like I told you guys, because when that's available, you want to have something to hand to your staff. But also the Kindle is like very convenient to have on your phone or on your iPad. Uh, so it's good to have both. I know a lot of people that get our book, Comprehensive Guide to Clinical Research. It's both. So they have Kindle. And, and are you guys going to do an audio book?
2: We were talking about it, probably. You could do it in is, like an
0: hour or two.
2: <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, this book, you will want to make sure that you're... I mean, I, I see this book, I get like for example, a clinical research coordinator that is doing this and has the patient right there. So the clinical research coordinator is making sure that he or she completed every single step. This um. can even help to create a checklist because now you know exactly what you have to do uh, as the essentials and then add everything else that you need to do for that specific study. So, okay. I mean, it, uh, I'm not sure if the, if the audio book for this specific book will be <laughs> um, of good use. Maybe yeah, it no. is. I'm not sure. No, maybe, maybe we, not can, we should yeah. try.
0: <laughs> no, maybe not, because if it's meant to be a manual, or like a field manual, it's probably just meant to be read like that's on the site. For the same reason I'm gonna buy it as soon as I have my first coordinator, like they're gonna read this. They're gonna be forced to read this. And I hope you guys write more because we need more uh like bite-sized things, right?
2: Yeah, critical processes. Very important.
0: Uh anything else you guys wanna add as we wrap up? A link underneath the show notes, underneath the video. Go buy it, buy the book.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I I think it was a great experience. I never knew how much time or how con- time consuming is to write a book, and and uh, um and obviously because you think you're just gonna go and write and that's it, uh, forty six pages, uh fifty pages. And and we never knew how long it was gonna take. We we actually thought it was gonna be ready like in a month, two months, and a, a lot more. Because every time we were reading it, going over it, then we would change and change it and change it and change it. And I'm sure uh, there's You're gonna, gonna change, be more changes. Change <laughs>
0: yes. Well, that's that's the good thing about Kindle and paperback. You can update it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can update the files. Um. All right. Good stuff. Well, we're going to, Paula, we got to see you on Latinos in clinical research um, soon. And then Monica, you're always there. And then we'll definitely (laughs) uh, discuss this book more. Like we'll, we're looking to do um, part two and part three, not only when you write other books, but when you get feedback from sites or coordinators about, you know, maybe implementing what you what you wrote about
2: yeah and i w- yeah of course we would love to hear everybody's uh feedback about it uh it, it, it is it's a it, i think like we w- wrote on the in the book uh sharing information will only improve the industry yeah. and that's this is the best way to do it
0: Yeah, i think even sponsors and cro's like i said it would benefit from this too because it's quick, actionable and then sites of course and also people looking to get hired like for interviews imagine yeah. if you're somebody that's hasn't been a coordinator but you want to be a coordinator and you read this book and then you go get an interview and they ask you and you say well you know I know this this you come with your checklist that you already made from reading the book you get a job right there that's like a dream <laughs> a dream come true so go get it guys underneath reach out to monica she's very accessible Paula, I don't know if she's accessible or not, honestly. <laughs> yeah, reach out to Monica. <laughs> reach out yeah. to Monica double.
2: Yeah, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube. Um, Monica's everywhere. everywhere.
0: <laughs> All right, so check it out, guys. Let me know what you guys think about it. We'll have you guys on again for sure. And catch y'all later. Bye-bye.
2: Thank, Thank you, Beth. You. Thank, Thank you, you Beth. Beth.